Hello, and welcome back to Parallel Passion. First off, I'd like to sincerely thank everyone who supports this show on Patreon. If you wish to join these awesome people, go to patreon.com slash or follow the link in the show notes. You'll not only be supporting this podcast, but you'll also receive a special supporter package with stickers, coasters, and whatnot. Today, I'm joined by Joanne Chang. She's an avid hiker and map maker. That's a very interesting and sort of unusual hobby to have, so we dove deep into that. She also recently moved from Colorado to Berlin, so of course we had to discuss everything about that. I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as we enjoyed recording it. Here's Joanne. Hi Joanne, welcome to Parallel Passion. Hello Miha, thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. It's really warm in Berlin, so I'm pretty happy with the weather here. Oh yeah, it got warm here as well, just like the past two days. It was like winter before, but just now it got really hot and, and now it's just too hot. <laughs> it's I'm Yeah, I'm kind of curious how, what summer is going to be like, I guess, in a couple of weeks. Um, anyway, let's um, let's start with um, who are you and um, what what do you do? I am a closure developer right now. Um, so I write closure for a small start uh, for a startup in Berlin called Pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do presentation software. We're still currently um, in development mode, so we haven't released a product yet. Um, but previous to that, I was working for an analytics company called Keen.io, and before that, I was a consultant at a Ruby. Uh, doing Ruby on Rails at Thoughtbot. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. We were talking just before that um, uh, there were many people from your social circles that were already guests on this podcast. Like uh, since you mentioned Thoughtbot, I guess that would be Ben Ornstein. Yep. And you also said like you went to middle school with uh, Catherine, right? Yes, Catherine Wu. Uh, we went to middle school each with each other. Um, we went to different high schools. And then didn't really keep in touch. And then we ran into each other at a Ruby conference, uh, I think, a couple of years ago. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because the, the link is also Sebastian, who I also had on the podcast. And uh, the funny thing is that we have like consecutive birthdays, like seven, eight, nine, right? <laughs> yep, seven, eight, nine of January. It, it was like, I, I remember it was in uh, in Austria at the conference that we met. And I don't even know how we started talking about that. But uh, yeah, it was <laughs> it was a fun discovery. <laughs> It was, it, it felt like it was by chance. Like we just, the three of us were just talking and then randomly it came up. Um, and yeah, this was several years ago, I think 2014. Yeah. Time flies. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so um, you are originally from Denver, right? And you you moved to Berlin now. And um, I, I want to know how does it like, from your perspective, what are the um the differences in like i don't know uh, overall uh, like i don't know culture or quality of life or whatever um comparing denver to berlin yeah that's uh something i think about quite a lot um so i i lived in denver or i lived in colorado for seven and a half years um and i did very much like it but i f- sort of felt a little stagnant uh career wise mm-hmm. um it is a small city Um, yeah, I guess it's, it's really hard to describe Denver, um, I guess as a city. Uh, so Denver as a city, like it attracts a lot of people who love the outdoors, who love hiking. Um, it attracts a lot of people from both coasts of the U S. Uh, so a lot of people from California, a lot of people from New York city. And then, so you have this like really, uh, interesting group of people who are just kind of from all over the U S, uh, in this one place in the middle of the country, And um, while I really enjoyed the outdoor activities there, I felt I I had trouble trying to further my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was working very, uh, for the last, about, I guess from 2015 to 2018, um, my last three years in Denver, I was working entirely remotely for remote companies, either in California or on the coast. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also only talking to clients on the coast. And so I, I had trouble um, really furthering my career. And then um, eventually I discovered closure. And I also had trouble finding closure opportunities that were not remote in Denver. Right. Um, so uh, like now that I'm in Berlin, there's just, it's, it's really nice to be around this environment where everyone is kind of passionate about something. Um, like, uh, I guess people are really passionate about music. People are very passionate about art here. 
they're really passionate about programming languages Mm -hmm. and there's this like different energy um, that people put into their work and that I didn't really get much in Denver. Um, And it's good and bad um, because, you know, people, there wasn't that energy in Denver or there wasn't such a strong energy like that in Denver. Um, You know, it was a lot more relaxed. Uh, I wouldn't say Berlin's a stressful city, like compared to New York city, but um, there's a different energy in how people, I guess, approach work. But how big is Denver actually? Is it like, uh, how many people live there? So according to Google, it's um, people in Denver, 600,000. Okay. I guess 620,000. Right. Um, I don't, is that a big, I, so I actually grew up near New York city. So I think my scale of cities are, it's pretty skewed. Yeah, I mean, even compared to Berlin, which is like I think three and a half million, something like that, it's uh, you know, it's much, much smaller. Oh, so yeah. maybe even like because of that, uh, the it appears to be more chaotic. Yes. Um, how does someone that works remotely go back to working in an office? Um, <laughs> it's it was quite difficult at first. Um, <laughs> I guess, like, what do you mean? How uh, do you mean like? Emotionally or the steps? Uh, no, no, no. Just like, can you can you work again in an office? Because like, I don't know. I maybe I'm I'm biased, but like, I cannot see myself ever working in an office again. I I don't think I will be able to to fit in. Yeah, it's there's a lot of benefits and drawbacks. Um, so one of the hardest things I I noticed when I went back to working in an office. Uh, so also, I should mention that my company pitch is pretty remote friendly. Um, and I have a pretty flexible work schedule. So for instance, today I actually worked from home because I needed to get a lot of stuff done. Um, yeah, yeah. It, that's exactly the thing. Like when you want to get stuff done, <laughs> don't go to office. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so actually I, I was a little overwhelmed when I first started working in an office every day again, just cause you're around people all the time, even when you're not working with people directly, mm-hmm. um, you're still, around people like you're in usually like you know open office plans are very popular and we have an open office plan and they're you know no matter what there's someone who could be looking at your laptop um and like you know if you're struggling with something or it's i feel like it's just on display for everyone so you're always you always have to be on Mm -hmm. um do i guess have you experienced that working in an office I don't know. Maybe I wasn't uh, far enough in my career when I was still working in an office. But the problem I had was that just like the constant uh, buzz and people coming around like, hey, did you get my email? And I'm like, yeah, I will reply to it when I see it. And and like at least working remotely, there's no one that can. Well, I can I can make myself be unavailable by just quitting Slack. Oh, and yeah. You cannot do that in an office to just go disappear. Yep. Yeah, I uh I've occasionally like used, there's like a couple of quiet corners. I mean, they're really corners um, in the office where I just, I'm actually lucky enough to just kind of able to escape there every so often. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is, it is very distracting. And then if, you know, in open offices, you know, you usually don't have a lot of sound dampening as well. So if someone like has a conversation on one end of the office, you can hear them and you're just trying to like, focus on your work mm. but you just hear all these voices yeah uh it's it's a little frustrating mm-hmm. um but i love the collaboration um i feel like there's just a little less friction to collaborate which i really really like mm-hmm. and um you know i i also you know for instance i went hiking with my coworkers last week and i haven't done any sort of activity with my people i work with in a very long time and it, it felt really nice, like that sort of camaraderie and teamwork that you get from seeing people and interacting with people face to face is quite nice. Yeah. Um, and you work remotely now. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been working remotely, uh, I don't know, for a long time now, I think like five years or something like that. And um, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I don't think I would be able to go back in an office. And especially now, it seems that like there are more and more remote jobs available. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have a like we have firsthand experience now because we we started hiring, and I think in like a span of day we were outside for from the first page of the, we work remotely. It's like, huh? Apparently, there are a lot of companies now that are hiring. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> yeah, that's that's really good. 
Um, no, I, I'm a full supporter of remote friendly companies and remote friendly work. I feel like, um, you know, for instance, a lot of people are kind of out working from other places. And because we have this remote culture sort of baked in, like we do have some remote teammates. Um, it's easier for them to switch back into re- or switch to remote work. So you still have that flexibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, just wondering. So, um, is your team all in one time zone or are you distributed through different time zones? We are pretty much all in like plus minus two, I think, mm. uh, zones from each other. Uh, so pretty much the same. Yeah. We, we don't have, uh, uh, people all over the world. Do you, um, have you ever worked in a team with like people all over the yeah. world or always? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In a previous company, we were literally all over the world. Um, and uh, that introduces a new set of problems which are, are not present here. Mm. Uh, and that, that can be yeah, stressful and demanding. Uh, but yeah, here, here we're all in this sort of same time zone. Yeah, but, it's, but you're all and you're all distributed. Yeah, yeah. All developers, even people who are um, uh, like developers who work in the same city as the office, they don't go to, to the office. <laughs> so I actually think that's a good thing um, that like making sure everyone's on a equal playing field. Yeah, yeah, I agree. People who, you know, can have like these private back channel conversations with uh, other other people in person, I feel like they have an unfair advantage, which is, I guess, kind of a lot of the issues that have come up for me in remote work have become, or because, you know, there's sort of this unequal playing field. Yeah, that can happen if you have yeah, a couple of people working together. Um, and then, yeah, the other, the other ones can easily um, fall out of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I was, I was more interesting, interested um, in overall comparisons like in in i guess tech scene um com- comparing like us and and uh, i don't know uh, eu i guess is in in berlin is there anything that stands out is there anything that surprised you when you moved here so i I've, I've only worked for san francisco companies mm-hmm. um i haven't i guess i did work for a dc company briefly um but i haven't really done a lot of startup work for like say new york city which is or other cities where there's a really big startup tech scene. Oh man, that's a really, I'm sorry, still thinking about this question. (laughs) So like in the times I visited San Francisco and I feel, you know, maybe I feel a little hesitant. I'm a little scared to say this because I I never really lived officially in San Francisco. I just worked for a San Francisco company. Mm -hmm. I feel there was a bit more risk taking. um, And I, I feel like there was, there's a lot of like similar activity happening um, but I feel like, you know, what, what I observe in Europe or at least in Berlin versus what I saw in San Francisco and Denver, you know, there was just, there are, there were so many, I feel like everything was just, uh, multiplied by, it was a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. And this is really hard to answer because I've kind of always felt disconnected from like a lot of stuff that was happening in the U S like the tech community here or in the U S and I've okay. just got to started getting used to like the tech community here in Berlin. And, and you feel that you're going to be more connected here or like, will it, it, would it be easier to connect here? I feel like it's a little easier to connect here. Um, I mean, it's a little different. Like for instance, right now as a developer, I'm now working in a language closure, which is, you know, has a smaller community, yeah. but has, you know, in Berlin, there's a pretty good showing, but you know, in Denver we had, maybe 10, 15 people show up at every meeting. So it was a very small group. And even in, in Berlin, like this is a small dev community um, versus say JavaScript or Ruby, where you have like this really large, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have so many companies and so many people and it gets a little overwhelming. So, I mean, from the closure side, everything still looks very small scale. Oh, I feel really bad. I'm not answering this question very well. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. We can we can move forward from the question. I was just uh, I was just interested. Like, is is there anything specific that really stands out when you're comparing um, living in Denver compared to to Berlin? I guess. I mean, it it is quite different. Also, I mean, just because I think Germans do business quite a bit differently than how Americans do business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked for like a large range of. U.S. companies, like I've worked for really large corporations, I've worked for medium-sized companies, and then I've worked for small startups. And, you know, all of them kind of do business very differently in the U.S. And then, like, you know, I'm now only working for this 
one German company or one German owned company. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really interesting is uh, my current company is so diverse in terms of people from different countries in Europe. And so like, whereas in the past, I've pretty much only worked with Americans and Canadians and then occasionally a developer or two or someone else from some various other country. And then now I'm working with people from all over Europe mm-hmm. and it's, that's a really cool feeling. It's very interesting to see all these different communication styles. Yeah, this is completely unrelated to, I guess, your hobbies or whatever. But I, I was always wondering, like, as an American, do you see, like, a lot of differences between, like, European countries? Or do we all, I don't know, feel sort of the s- same stero- stereotypes? Um, I feel like there's a lot of differences. Um, I'm also, I mean... Berlin's a little different because I, I feel like, yeah, like, um, well, I guess, yeah, meeting my partner, my partner's from Belgium, um, like a lot of his friends don't really leave the area that they grew up. Mm-hmm. And, but he did, he moved to Berlin. And so like, I guess a lot of the people that I've met, like for, who have moved to Berlin from all over Europe, they're kind of like the unusual people who, you know, left their hometown, left their home country. Yeah, yeah. Berlin is like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Berlin kind of attracts these people who are, I guess, yeah, who are like leaving like the, who leave like their hometowns, who I guess are trying to experience something a little different from what they grew up with. Mm-hmm. That's my interpretation. Yeah, no, I, I was I was just wondering, like, do we look like the same bunch? Oh, or no. uh, are there actual differences? <laughs> okay. Interesting, interesting. You know, because I, I come from a tiny country and we pretend that we have like a, our own culture here, but I, I don't know how much of that is, is true and how much of that is just fiction. Oh, no, I think it's quite true. Um, I mean, even in Germany, like, you know, there's differences within the part of the country. Mm-hmm. And then like in Belgium, you know, there's like, I've I've heard jokes about how people like in different towns just have these different accents. Like where I grew up in, in the States, uh, where I spent most of my youth, like, New Jersey, like there's there's jokes about like it's a tiny tiny state, but yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's jokes about like how like the north part of the state versus <laughs> the south part of the state, and it's really cool actually to see the similarities because you know this is actually how I feel like a lot of European countries kind of I guess poke fun at each other, yeah, um, like even within their own their own country. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely true. I mean, our country is tiny, but we have a, a lot of stereotypes depending on which part of the country you're from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move to uh, your actual hobbies. <laughs> like, um, I, I I sort of derailed this conversation. I don't know why. Anyway, um, you you said you like uh, hiking, and um, as a like as hiking is quite popular in Slovenia as well. Um, I sort of wonder, like, um, how did you start? Was it like, did your parents take you when you were a kid? Or uh, was it just something you discover later on in life? Or how did you start with the hiking? Um, it started when I moved to Colorado. Um, I moved to Colorado mostly just because I wanted to see another part of the country. And, you know, I, I really liked how beautiful Colorado was, but I never really got into hiking. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, so something else about me, um, my parents are from Taiwan and there's this sort of thing about Taiwanese parents. Um, like I, I went to a lecture yesterday and sort of about Taiwanese, um, conservation and, uh, like ecological conservation. And, you know, the speaker sort of mentioned there's this thing about Taiwanese parents, like they don't like their children taking risks. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like my parents actually didn't like me hiking or, Hmm. you know, they never, sort of had this, but then I moved to Colorado and sort of discovered this world of hiking and, um, being in the wilderness. Uh, so that's, that's when I got into it. And do you do like one day hikes or do you go for multiple days? Uh, how does it, how does your typical hike look? Um, more typically, uh, so in Colorado, I would go out to the mountains on the weekends, usually, yeah, Saturday or Sunday. And I do a one day hike, Mm -hmm. um, but every so often I would take a couple of days off and then do something, go backpacking, like, um, like pack my, make sure I have enough water, pack my food, um, get like the right clothes. Um, cause multi-day hikes always take, uh, quite a bit more planning. Um, so I, I didn't do a lot of those, but the, I did a couple. I, I don't know, like, uh, 
I, you know, here we have Alps and there's a lot of uh, trails that are marked and uh, there's gazillion of destinations uh, to, to visit. And I don't know um, how well is this done in, uh, I guess, around Denver and uh, Colorado or um, the rest of US. Like, are there a lot of trails you can just choose and pick or are there just like a, a couple that are really popular and then you just pick uh, the starting point? How does it actually look? Um, so in Colorado, there's uh, quite a lot of trails um, that you you just usually can park at a trailhead somewhere. We also have a lot of parks. Um, so uh, Colorado has three national parks. Mm -hmm. I no four national four national parks, <laughs> uh, and um, I've only been to three of them. Uh, but so there's four national parks, and this is federal land. Um, owned by the U.S. Right. And then there's quite a few number of state parks. Uh, those are managed by the state. And then there's a lot of wilderness areas as well, like uh, wilderness areas and national forests. And um, so all of these have their own trail systems. Uh, sometimes every so often they can like interlink as well. Um, there's also the Colorado Trail and the Continental Divide Trail. So the Colorado Trail is a trail that um, cuts through like um, – this one town kind of close to Denver. And then it goes like through the state um, down to like the Southwest corner. Uh, it's the distance. I don't have it right now, but it's, it's a very long distance um, to bike. Uh, the people every year, there's like a bike quote unquote race uh, where people like try to mountain bike uh, most all, or all the trail or as much as they can. Um, there's also the Continental Divide Trail, which uh, cuts through several states in the U.S., but it's um, the Continental Divide is um, this basically like this sort of place in the mountains where either the water goes uh, east to the Atlantic Ocean or west to the Pacific Ocean. There's a trail along that where you can hike mm -hmm. um, and it's really beautiful. Yeah, that's that sounds interesting. We have like um, uh, a mountain here, and they like it's. I guess it's sort of the same divide, but like on a smaller scale. Mm -hmm. Like uh, on one side, the water goes to uh, Adriatic Sea; on the other, it goes into Black Sea. Um, yeah. So, uh, have you have you been uh, hiking around Europe too, or uh, is this something that uh, is on to do? It's on my to do. Um, I went to Innsbruck mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. And did a bunch of trails there. Um, I can say that there's a lot of differences between, I guess, the one that like, I guess, three trails I did in Austria and like the several I did um, in the US. Like, um, I, I've i been trying to find trails where I can be a little bit more isolated uh, here. And it's a little, dif it's a little bit more difficult. Um, yeah, yeah. Just because the US is so big. And, you know, like, for instance, this national park, Rocky Mountain National Park was a place I went to frequently and um, you can pretty much, you, you can hike like a couple kilometers in from a trailhead and the trailhead would be really crowded. But once you're like a couple kilometers in and then like a couple, like uh, a little bit higher in elevation, it actually starts to get really, really quiet and you can feel like very much in solitude or you can find places where you can be very much like by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you don't have cell reception. You don't see any like, any signs of humans a, a bit that i know about us is that you don't have cell receptions in some parts of the cd even oh yeah so yeah i, I think <laughs> it's not a bad uh, it can sometimes <laughs> be a bad thing but not always it's sometimes quite nice yeah <laughs> here like i said hiking is quite popular so it's uh un unless you're going in the middle of the week it's uh pretty much impossible to to be alone uh, anywhere it's it's a good thing though i mean if if it's more popular i, I feel like uh, I mean, I get um, in the U.S. at least, uh, you know, there's a lot of effort to protect national parks and national lands mm -hmm. um, because they're so like people love hiking so much. Uh, is is there sort of a similar culture there in Slovenia? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we have national uh, a national park, which is like uh, uh, pretty big and the, the majority of Alps are, are in it. And uh, on the on the rest, it's just like sort of like an etiquette uh, that you are supposed to be like um, not leaving trash behind and, and, and all that. So and all the trails are nicely marked and um, usually well maintained. Um, so that's that's pretty good here. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's the same in 
the U.S. too. I'm mm-hmm. like I'm very thankful for sort of this really good um, outdoors culture uh, because yeah, it does leave the trails in good condition and everything clean. Yeah, and um, how does one get from hiking to making maps of hiking? Yes, um, like how did that start? So I it actually started. I mean, I guess this will be a longer story. Um, so I lived briefly in Philadelphia, which is a little city about two hours from New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about an hour from where I grew up in New Jersey, or an hour and a half. Um, and I I did like the city quite a bit, um, but then I moved, and I, I sort of felt this like longing towards it. And I you know I missed the city so much, you know, even though I was in this new wonderful place. So I decided to kind of find ways to connect with the city that I left behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took their, um, I took basically location data of the buses over the course of a couple of days. I just wrote a script to collect all of this. And then I mapped it on a sort of a time series. It was just like a way for me to like, kind of feel connected to a city without being in it. I've always been really interested in like, uh, sort of mapping things, um, or data visualization and mapping things. And then, uh, when I moved from Colorado to Berlin, I wanted to sort of connect with like the state that I left behind and this country that I left behind. Mm-hmm. It's a pattern then. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I ver- I looked into topographic data um, or elevation data. Mm-hmm. And so one can get elevation data of the US uh, through satellites. And then um, I learned, ended up learning Blender and then kind of making these like uh, 3D maps or 3D topographic maps, which is like elevation maps, um, which are kind of, yeah. uh, I found through a tutorial online through like an actual cartographer and I just kind of copied it and went along with it. And I've been finding sort of excuses to just make as many maps as possible. And it's just like <laughs> a way for me to kind of connect with this, this place that I left behind. And how do you display that then? Um, so I use Blender to render everything and then I export to just images, PNG. Mm. Um, I've also used, um, I use this tool called QGIS, uh, which is like an open source, like mapping tool. And I've used a plugin to kind of create like this sort of tiled map. Um, and so when, when I say tiled map, it means like if you zoom in, like it'll render different images. Yeah. yeah. Um, since you're making topographic maps, mm -hmm. uh, did you ever think about 3d printing it? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, it's something on my to-do list, but I've just been occupied by other things. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, I, I I find it like very interesting uh, to like that someone would mess with something that feels like discovered already. I mean, sure, like cartography was a thing before when like Google Maps did not exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, how how come you got interested in that in the first place? Like, why why cartography? I feel like cartography plays very is like very much it's data visualization. Um, you're taking numbers and sort of placing it or you're taking you know when i when i plot elevation i'm taking numbers and translating it to something that you can see and like interpret mm-hmm. um and so actually this started a while ago when you know i would look into denver's open data um and this is like something that i did just to sort of connect with the city i was living in um like things like traffic accidents like i would kind of i would be really interested in seeing if there are any patterns in traffic accidents over the years. And then uh, something else I did was I created a um, sort of map of all the different uh, building types. Uh, so there's like a file in the Denver Open Data Catalog where you can, um, where you have every building in Denver and then also their corresponding building type, like whether it's a residential building, a parking structure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then you can kind of see the, if you plot, these things in different colors you can sort of see like these patterns right it almost kind of looks like sim city right yeah i was just about to mention that yeah <laughs> yeah like um so it's it's re- just like a really interesting way to see the place that you live in um and so for me like it's not really these are not really things to like present to other people they're more like these little personal projects for myself to like feel connected to the place I'm living in or the place I miss or a place I visited. Do you have then, uh, after you built it, do you, do you have any uh, value in it or is it just the process of building it that you enjoy? I like to think I have some value. At least, I so I have a poster of something mm. that I um, created. 
in my room or in my apartment. That's that's one thing. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed the little uh, the collection of buildings that I built. I don't know if anyone really finds value in it, or I don't know. I I just really enjoy sort of making these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also pushed me to like learn a lot about the history of these places, like sort of the act of just doing this by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, uh, I, I do you mind if I go in a little bit of a side? No, not at all. I was listening to sort of the radio. And I really wish I had this episode handy, but um, it was like uh, some podcast I was listening to where they uh, asked teachers to be, like, they built like these analysis tools, like these, they would hire like these data visualization experts and developers to build like these analysis tools for teachers to, um, you know, kind of track their students' progress. And then the only thing that's actually, and like, so, you know, they have these tools at their hands, but then they ask like another group of teachers to write down um, like student scores, like by hand. And, you know, when teachers are writing these things by hand, like you actually, they actually felt more of a connection to the data and like the students in those classes actually eventually did better. Like there was an upward trend. Right. So like there's this active forcing yourself to do something that actually uh, I think like makes you feel more connected to the subject that you're, you're um, yeah, the subject it's like people who lose weight or like who are trying to lose weight, like when they write down their weight every week versus, you know, using an app to track their, their, um, their weight, like, you know, there's, they're more successful. Yeah. Yeah. Once, once you see the, the data, uh, it, you definitely interpret it differently or, or you realize it, it's like, it's true. It's not just some abstract numbers. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of similar to with me and these sort of maps and this sort of open data exploration. Like a lot of it is just for me to understand a place a little bit better. Mm. Well, did you ever think about selling this stuff on, on Etsy or something like that? I, I have. Um, but I, it's also like, I, I'm a little scared because these are all very personal projects to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's, I guess the worst thing is the worst case scenario, like no one buys it and that that's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I am thankfully still employed <laughs> by empl- my employer. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's something I, I've thought about, um, because I, I do put quite a bit of think- thought into a lot of these projects, mm-hmm. um, just cause you know, it's I. I very much like like these. I love these places that I visited, and there are a couple of apps that do like um, I don't know, take your Strava data and then they plot all that you did on a, on a map, and then you see sort of like a heat map, but only of the paths you ran. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and you can like I think they sell that, and they have some uh, artistic visualization on top of that, and it's like black and white or like on on yellow, and it looks really cool because it's completely abstract to someone who doesn't know what it's about but like i guess to me because i actually ran those paths like i i understand what what it's about so um maybe maybe something like that like do, do you do you plot your hikes ever most of them i do or I, I did when i was i guess like last year when i was still hiking um but something i i do really enjoy doing uh is actually going on whenever i go on vacation like i went to taiwan a couple weeks uh, a couple no, last year, mm-hmm. um, I actually plotted my trip around the entire um, entire island by hand. Mm. Um, so I sort of like drew this out as like a little art project to myself. Oh wow! Um, but that's that also kind of reminded me of like yeah, the Strava thing. That uh, do you use? I'm guessing you use Strava. Um, I export to it. Yeah. But uh, do you have, or I'm guessing, have you seen like your own prints and or your own paths and runs in this this sort of format? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Do you have like a favorite one that you saw or like anything in particular that jumped out at you? Mm, I don't I don't remember. I only know that uh, I was uh, I was looking at some prints that were like some uh, artistic stuff and it displayed all of the runs of a previous year uh, sort of like uh, as as a remembrance of what you did in a year. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't buy anything. But it, it I, I think the shipping was really high. Oh, that's a bummer. Something like that. Yeah, it, it, you know, all of these are U.S. companies, and then it's not only that the shipping is high, then I'll have to pay the uh, the postage and the the VAT and the import duties and all that, and suddenly the price is like times two. That's that's a bummer. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, that is actually that's another difference I've noticed. I guess is trying to get used to shipping things from other places. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, at least like shipping inside EU is is fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, shipping things outside of EU to EU yeah, gets expensive. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And when you were doing it by hand, did you do it like the the old school way, just like on on a notebook with a compass and and write stuff down, or how does that even work? Um, I it's yeah, I, I guess it was by hand in my notebook. Um, so when I drew Taiwan, for instance, Taiwan's a pretty it's it's an island and it's kind of like it's often described as a sweet potato. So it's <laughs> it's a pretty straightforward shape. Um, so the base map or like the map of just the outline of the country was pretty easy to draw. And then from there, I just had to, um, I wasn't very exact, but I did guesstimate like where a lot of like these towns were, you know, using and using an actual map, an actual paper map for a reference. Mm -hmm. But that, that sort of project was just the process of doing that was also like a really nice reminder of, you know, the places I've been and like being able to see the whole path in in one map was really nice. I was always wondering, like, how did they make maps and, and have a sense of scale? Because when you're just walking around, it's so easy to to lose the direction of where you're turning and how like uh, long certain distances are. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea how you how you plot that. I admittedly do not know this either. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty amazing. Like, um, I've also collected old maps. Uh, I guess as well and like yeah they're incredible like yeah. the, the level of detail of these hand-drawn maps are amazing yeah and there's archives of this sort of stuff online as well if which i can also link to um that people can sort of dig into and you can just kind of lose yourself in like the amount of like it's it's basically i think like a it's an art mm -hmm. like it's it's just this really beautiful these beautiful drawings yeah to, to me it's completely fascinating how you can have a sense of scale when i don't know in in the 1400s or whatever you're just going with the boat and there's like uh waves and everything and maybe you're on the sea and then you're no longer on the sea and like oh yeah now i know how this ghost is how this ghost is shaped like yeah. to me it's just like how <laughs> I, i don't know i don't know <laughs> oh it's just maybe they just like someone on a very 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 tall ladder just looking across <laughs> yeah I don't, i don't think that's it <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. No. Yeah, yeah. If if the if the Earth was indeed flat, then yeah, then that would be possible. <laughs> That's true. I didn't, I didn't take that into consideration. <laughs> Where do we go from here? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I've like through making these maps. Um, like I, I learned a lot about. Like I, I got into this when I was living in Colorado, and then I sort of became obsessed with Colorado history briefly. Um, like I, I hear there's like a sort of, I hear sort of this joke about like how, you know, buildings in the U S are very young compared to buildings in Europe, mm -hmm. uh, especially from my European partner. Uh, <laughs> but there's, <laughs> but there's, there's quite a bit of, uh, I mean, you know, the gold rush happened in Colorado and there was just so much history about all these different groups of people in this one area and like their unfortunate, like very tragic interactions with each other. Um, and there's like, it's this like really interesting history. And then also like a lot of these hiking trails in Colorado, um, some of them are actually old trails that the native Americans used when, you know, they were coming from the plains into the mountains mm -hmm. or and back. And then a lot of them were used as mining trails in the 1800s when the gold rush happened. So you occasionally see like these like mining equipment, like abandoned mining equipment while you're hiking along these trails. Wow. Um, you also see abandoned ghost towns uh, and like these buildings that like somehow people like lived in these buildings, like in this really harsh conditions. And it's, I, I think the history of all that is really fascinating. Um, um, I'm a little afraid to go into detail because I guess I, I very much like study this sort of stuff as a hobby and, you know, I'm not a historian, nor am I a cartographer, and I feel like I'm talking about these things. But it's well, I mean, I'm a I'm a podcaster, and all I do <laughs> is like I own a mic. Like that's that's. Well, <laughs> uh, it's it's really, you know, you have like these like hundreds of years of uh, like the Native Americans in this area, like in Colorado, and then you have like these new groups of people, and then you know the eventual like, and then 
the last hundred years, like, you know, with the industrial, like, um, just with technology moving so fast in the last hundred years, like this, mm-hmm. the city Denver, like has changed so much and it's changed, it changed incredibly, like an incredible much, a lot when I, the last couple of years when I was living there. Um, and it's, it's just a really cool thing to see. It's, it's a little scary when you're living there and like, you know, your rent's going up and I guess, you know, <laughs> if you can't afford, like if you're not a developer, it's, it's quite difficult. Um, but it's, it's just like this really interesting city with like, you know, because it's so new, like, you know, these new cities also like there's so much development happening in such a short amount of time. And so like, I think, you know, this sort of map making and hiking, like, and history, like they all tie in together and like exploring places and like walking around and just like observing your environment, like when you're hiking or when you're, even when you're walking around the city is just, Mm -hmm. I think a really cool activity should to do, which I think everyone should do, um, even if they're just walking around their neighborhood. And do you find like um, old history books that you read and you then go hiking on, on those paths? Or do you like go hiking and then figure out like what are all those things you were passing by? Uh, I usually go hiking first and then I discover a lot of the history mm-hmm. um, just because, yeah, like there's often like little, uh, I guess, uh, little displays, like little handwritten or not handwritten um like these plaque plaques i guess mm-hmm. uh they're just like these stands that you know they they're usually for i think they're usually for kids or just for you know adults who are kind of curious about it where they just give like a little brief history yeah, yeah. but like something i i learned about recently like you know i stopped by one of these and i read it and then i learned a little bit about like the history of the chinese in colorado and so i ended up reading an entire book about it or I'm in the process of reading an entire book about it. Um, but like, I then learned a lot about like the history of the Chinese and the Chinese settlers during the gold rush, mm-hmm. um, which like I, I felt, you know, like this is amazing. This is something I never learned in these history and like history books that when I was growing up Yeah, and, you know, being Chinese Taiwanese descent from first generation immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like reading about this and about, you know, people similar to my parents moving to this, state and like trying to make a living, you know, in a society that was stacked against them. Like I, I kind of felt a little bit connected to that. And it was, it was really cool. Something that I don't think I would have discovered had I not gone on this hike, read this little placard right? and then yeah, gone home and yeah. Yes. It's so interesting how like a one small detail that um, you do that otherwise you wouldn't do completely changes the the course of your life mm-hmm. uh for example i i know that like happened to me several times like would, there were a couple of i don't know conferences i went to or people i spoke to that because of them i am where i am now and I, it's sometimes like crazy to think like what would happen if i wouldn't be talking to that person if i wouldn't become friends with them like I definitely would not be working remotely uh, the, in the way that I am right now. And and it's it's kind of scary to think that sometimes. It's I think it's a good argument to do things that are a little bit different um, than what you're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like we work in tech where we're in front of computers all day where we can Google everything we need to. But, you know, you were able to make these connections because you, you know, stepped out of your comfort zone a little bit or did something different that day or reached out to someone yeah or yeah went to a conference yeah like when you went to portland yeah 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 for example yeah or like when when i when i went to that codio in in austria and like met you like and here we are now otherwise probably wouldn't happen (laughs) yeah yeah it's i think it's a good argument for yeah people to do these things yeah Uh, no it's 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 you have to go out of your comfort zone uh now and again and um Something that's completely out of my comfort zone, but I, I saw in, I think, your uh, Twitter bio, I'm not sure, that you're uh, also a dance enthusiast. Oh, yes. Any specific dances or? Um, I take a lot of styles. Uh, I was taking, uh, I took a, like a hip hop class, or I guess an urban dance class uh, this past Saturday, and I'm actually still sore from it. Um, <laughs> so I've. So it's out of your comfort zone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah uh, a couple years ago there was a so i worked when i was working at thoughtbot we were in a co-working space and there was a dance studio by the office and um you know one of the there was 
I think not Turing, but G, uh, basically a code school, local code school in Denver. Uh, we were mentoring them. One of the students there recommended I go to a dance class with her and I did. And it like, I fell in love with it, even though I am, I never took any dance classes when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I am incredibly awkward in front of people. <laughs> like I'm just an awkward mover, but I, I just sort of, it's like this perfect mix of um, like mental challenge plus physical strength that you have to do. Uh, like I, I just, I really love, like I love taking dance classes and I love like learning how to improve and being a better dancer which is why I also said I'm a dance enthusiast. I don't like to say I'm a dancer because I am not a good dancer still after all these years, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's a, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a very challenging sport and art form because I feel like it's a really good balance of like, yeah, mental, mental concentration and yeah, physical strength. And then also it gets you away from the computer, which is most important. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that that's why I run. You don't need to to have a good co coordination for that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> just go up, like walk a bit faster. Well, well, you kind of do, or else you fall and then break something. That wouldn't be fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. Well, luckily, I didn't break anything yet, but I, I, I have my uh, share of scratches pretty, pretty much every time I go running later at night. I guess. Do you ever struggle with injuries and such? Uh, well, just because of scratches and because I'm clumsy like that. Uh, the, the problem is when I go running um, in the in the evening when I'm already tired from work and it's like, uh, I don't know, it, it's getting dark and I don't see things or I don't like raise my leg high enough and then I just uh, fall. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, have, has anything serious happened or? Oh, no, no, no. Just scratches. Okay. Okay, so nothing that like takes you out for like two months or no, 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 N nothing beyond just like hurting like hell every time you go in the shower. It's like oh no, I have this again. But yeah, yeah, you know how stretches are. I guess that's something I uh, something I think about a lot is like how to keep dancing and moving without injuring myself. Um, because if I've I once broke my foot and like not being able to do dance for three months uh was really hard on my mental state oh um i don't know if you've ever had to take that long off of running i didn't have to but i did uh, immediately after finishing my first race i was like oh no now it's like cold or now now it rains now it's snow like a shit ton of excuses for not doing it anymore oh yeah no i've been there <laughs> and then like six months passed like hmm, maybe i should start <laughs> running again yeah, I've been there. But uh, w what were you doing that you were uh, that you broke your foot that bad? Uh, that was that was a dance class. Um, so it was uh, that was uh, I guess jazz technique. So we were basically like we were practicing jumps, and I landed badly. Oh. Yep. Yeah. I think I was also just yeah. I, I don't remember what was going through my mind that day or that morning pain probably <laughs> yes oh yeah yeah probably pain um but it's it's always like something that like i didn't think it was like because i've um i felt like i've done harder stuff than like the thing that i did um like this was a pretty basic jump and like i've done i guess i was like trying to work on harder stuff like in the past couple of years and then like i just realized like yeah i did this thing i just wasn't paying attention and then i landed wrong um which is, um, yeah, that was a bummer. Yeah. And I, I imagine that you also weren't able to hike then. Oh, no, no. I wasn't able to drive uh, either. Uh, um, I had to, I had to basically get one of those, um, a wheelie, like a tricycle for your knee. <laughs> so I had to like walk around and with this thing. But I also like somehow I lucked out and I was living, I happened to have been living in an apartment with an elevator mm. so and i was incredibly lucky and i lived like across the street from a grocery store so <laughs> it wasn't like i think i even went to work one day because i just rolled myself to work uh on this thing and it was <laughs> totally okay i was very lucky lucky with a very bad injury yes. so i don't know were you <laughs> uh well i mean it's like i don't know if i injured myself here in berlin i think you know i i lived very close to a Sub, uh, a major uh, underground subway. I guess we can call it no, U-Bahn. I can call it subway. 
Um, so I live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I guess if we're talking more about going back to like differences between U.S. and Berlin, like uh, public transit is a big one. Like, it really does improve quality of life. Like, mm-hmm. being able to get around without having to depend on a car that you park and have to park every day. Yeah, my only experience with public transport in U.S. is Portland, which supposedly has one of the best public transportations uh, in, in U.S. And I really did feel like okay there. So, But I don't know how it is in, in Denver. It's not great. Mm. Um, I, I think a lot of... They're putting a lot of money into building new trains. But, like for instance, they built a new train line and a lot of these trains only go to like these random like not into any neighborhoods. They kind of go into like these vast empty spaces, mm-hmm. uh, like with random strip malls. Mm-hmm. So you actually have to park somewhere in order to get to these trains, which is really, <laughs> it's frustrating. <laughs> but I, I also like, I lived like, um, there was a brief time when I was living right outside of Denver. And like, I lived outside of like a major bus stop that goes straight into the city. But like, when I say near, like it was still like a 20 minute walk. Like it just because things are just spaced so far apart. And so, like, yeah, it was kind of a pain to just even get to this train station, uh, to this bus station. Especially for the city of of that size, like half a million people, it, it, you would imagine it's smaller. It it grew quite fast, um, and it's very much a car city, like a very typical American car city, right. where you like. When I moved to Denver, everyone said you had to get a car. That's that's sort of expected. Do you ever do like time series maps? Like how, I don't know, city grew over years? No, but that is a great idea. I'm actually going to write that down. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think that would be great to see. And you can even have it uh, like a, a scroll bar on the bottom and then you can scroll through years and the buildings pop up. I don't know how good data you can get on that, but that would be, a, that would be interesting. Just through the um, buildings, you can actually get the years that buildings were built right um in so that's actually something i can look into like just because i i worked on this buildings this small buildings project before mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah uh, denver is a place where they has grown like quite faster and also more than uh originally planned um so there was like there were plans to expand like this major highway for instance and you know they did it and now it's still it's congested again because <laughs> It's yeah, way more people moved in. Yeah, that's the thing with uh, when people say like, "Oh, we're just gonna add one more lane," but that just means that's gonna be one more lane of parking spaces. Yeah, it's just the the more of lanes you have, the more cars will be there, and then it just it's it's not improving. It's actually like uh, making matters worse. It's counterintuitive, but uh, it's a it's a thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, it is. It's also like how um, uh, going slower on a highway will actually increase traffic flow. Oh, interesting. Yeah, if you have like um, a lot of cars on the road, mm-hmm. you, you know that like sometimes you feel like there's a, well, you stop because there's a traffic jam, but then you see there was nothing, right? Yep. Uh, it just, then it just starts flowing. And the thing is that like, it's it's the sort of effect, it has a name, but I forgot it. Like you break a little, the car behind you breaks a bit more, the car behind you breaks even more, and then suddenly like cars stop. But the thing is, if you slow everyone down, then uh, the the distances stay the same, and then they don't have to break as much. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why if someone breaks, you maybe don't break because the the speed is not high enough, so you don't have to break. Mm. And so the flow is actually higher. That's why, like, if you drive on on Germany on autobahn, you'll sometimes see that uh, they have uh, uh, it's no longer unlimited speed, but it's like uh, limited to 120, mm-hmm. um, and that actually increases the flow, which is counterintuitive, but yeah, it's it's true. That's interesting. That's that's really cool. I will have to look into that. Do you have this issue with traffic? We don't. Well, I mean, people say we do, <laughs> uh, and people are complaining about the traffic here. But uh, yeah, comparing to any serious um, city of of a decent size, yeah, it's not a, it's not a problem. I mean, it's still like you know, if you have enough cars that are growing, or you have like the number of cars are growing. It's still like yeah, yeah, yeah. changes stuff. Sure, and, and you know there is a there is obviously a morning rush and an evening rush, mm-hmm. and um, people take longer to to get somewhere, of course. But like it, this is not on a, on a scale of a really big city. Like it, it's not that everything stops; it just goes a bit slower. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, uh, I think this is as good place of any to sort of start wrapping this up. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. We've been all over the place. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah, I've, it's been a while since I did a podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, no, it's, it's, it's good. It's interesting. You have a, a lot of, uh, different hobbies. So, um, anyway, uh, I will ask you the question that I always uh, end up with. And it's like, um, what would be three things that made, uh, an impression on you and like changed your life? And this can be books or articles or videos or whatever. Oh man. I wish I practiced this before. <laughs> um, so I started meditating, um, headspace has been, Mm-hmm. a major help for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Headspace app, there's this one podcast I listened to called the ground up show. Okay. Um, which has helped me. Uh, it just, um, it's kind of a podcast for people who do creative content, things like podcasts and uh, video series. But I feel like it's helped me um, kind of organize my brain better. Uh, I have a lot of issues with, I guess, like trying to realize my ideas, um, like if tried to both at work and outside of work. And this has helped me explore ideas like journaling and meditation and minimalism that have like helped me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really helped me, um, like organize my, my brain a lot better. And what kind of, uh, journal do you do? Do, do you follow any uh, specific pattern or do you just write? Uh, uh I did morning or I did this, series of morning pages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, I've done morning pages as well. Uh, I actually did something like I did a lot of journaling this morning to sort of get my thoughts straight for work today. Cause it's a, it's a big, it was a big work day. Um, and then one more I'm trying to think I'm actually looking through books I've read recently. Oh, there is a book I really enjoyed that I, I don't think has enough attention. Um, it's a book called lose. Well, The author is Chris Gethard. This book by a comedian who uh, basically talks about a lot of the failures he's encountered in his career. He's kind of a pretty untraditional, like he's found like sort of a success. He's found a big success, but in a very untraditional way. Um, And yeah, I think it's a really great book. It's helped me. Mm -hmm. It's something I read actually right after I moved to Berlin when I was really missing home and not sure what I was doing with my career. And it's, it definitely helped change my mindset a bit. Interesting. I, I haven't heard of him or him, I think. Yeah, no, he's, I, I feel like he's well known in a very specific circle. Um, it's so he had, uh, I guess to go on a little bit more, not too much more. Um, he had a, I guess, I'm not sure what public access TV translates to in Europe, but it's like a TV show and like this, just in the New York city area and it only aired in New York. And it's this, it was a sort of chaotic talk show, like a late night, think of like a late night talk show, like Colbert or right, right, um, right. Conan, mm-hmm. but it's just very, instead it's just chaotic. And, you know, he'd have callers do it, like callers make calls. And then like, it just became like this whole cult thing. And then he would eventually, because it kind of grew in like this sort of cult like fashion, he eventually got like more and more, like more well-known people to show up on his show and it's just like hilarious and weird and just like unlike things that I've seen on television and it's just really creative and, but he sort of stumbled across this in this very untraditional way because he doesn't really fit the mold of like, like kind of typical comedian. He definitely has very like out there ideas. And so he's like, in this book, he talks about like finding the confidence to, attempt these ideas and like also the failures that he came across when he tried to fit himself into a different mold, like into a more typical mold. And I, I really look up to people who do sort of things like this because, you know, there's, especially in the tech industry, like, I feel like, you know, there's, there's more than one way to succeed in the tech industry. And like, I'm still struggling to kind of find my own voice. And Mm -hmm. it was a very nice inspiration. Cool. Yeah. I have to have to check it. Um, Cool. Well, uh, thank you so much, Joanne, for the recommendations and for the interesting discussion that we just had. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I've, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, likewise. I mean, um, yeah, you should, you should come over to Slovenia someday and uh, we can go hiking. Yes, no, I, I would love to. Um, I definitely need to see the Alps. I 
miss the mountains so much. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice here, and now we have actually uh, um, like one of those cheap flights from Ljubljana to Berlin. Oh yeah, oh so interesting. There are okay. No excuses. Okay, awesome. <laughs> anyway, uh, looking forward to to seeing you again, and uh, thanks again for being a guest. No worries. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, this was my interview with Joanne. I would love if you would share this podcast with your friends and followings on your social mediums of choice. Retweet, like, repost, whatever. Every action helps. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you would truly make my day if you post a review there. And if you use a different app like Breaker, Overcast, or anything else that supports liking or favoriting, I'd appreciate your action there as well. You can also financially support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash p-a-r-p-a-s-p-o-d or open the show notes and follow the Patreon link there. Thank you. You can find this show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at ParapassPod on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website, parallelpassion.com 31. Thank you for listening and have a passionate day. I accidentally muted myself. No. Sorry, could you do that again? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is going at the end of the podcast. <laughs>